0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Blue Wire, and I am your host, Tracy Sandler. Today's guest is Executive Vice President and Chief Legal Officer of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Megapari. Mega shares her journey from a law firm to the Jags to being named one of Forbes' 30 under 30 to pro wrestling. Yes, pro wrestling, all will be explained. But before we dive in, I'd love to ask everyone listening to subscribe to the Get My Job podcast on iTunes and leave us a review. One lucky reviewer will win some cool fangirl merchandise. Make sure to screenshot your review on your Instagram story and tag at Fangirl Sports Network and hashtag Get My Job Pod for a chance to win and be highlighted in an upcoming episode. Mega, thank you so much for joining me today on Get My Job. As I mentioned, guys, Megha Pari is the Executive Vice President and Chief Legal Officer for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome, Mega. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. We are very excited to talk to you. Uh, as you know, Get My Job is an opportunity for women who love sports and women who want to work in sports to learn about all of the various career opportunities. And so I'm really excited to talk to you today and learn how you got started. So if you could just kind of start a little bit after law school, did you know you wanted to get into sports or did that come a little bit later? So I would say that
1: my desire to be in sports goes back to when I was a very small child. Um, And you know i always I have an older brother who's my most one of my most favorite people in the world, and he was always playing and watching sports and so I wanted to always be playing and watching sports, but I am probably the least athletic person I've ever met in my entire life, so <laughs> I knew that I was never going to be on the field um but i love I love watching sports, especially football and baseball it never occurred to me that I could necessarily marry the two in terms of a job. Um, I thought that if I wasn't going to be the quarterback, I just wasn't going to get to be involved in football. Um, but after law school, I went to a law firm that had a sports practice, Proskauer. So they for years have represented the leagues um, on the labor side in terms of collective bargaining on the litigation side, um, handled things like the Dodgers bankruptcy. And then on the transactional side, which is where the group that I went to, When I graduated, it was actually the middle of the recession. So I was very fortunate to actually start on time. But that meant a couple of things. One is that for my first 18 months, all of us that started on time were doing whatever work was available. um, And that meant that there was actually not really a lot of sports work going on because people weren't buying and selling teams actively at the time. The credit markets had dried up. At the time, it was a little bit painful because I was frustrated that I wasn't getting to work on exactly what I wanted to work on. In hindsight in that 18 months where i did a little bit of everything on the transactional side and even a little bit of litigation that's turned out to be really helpful now that i'm 10 years down the road because there's almost nothing that comes up that i haven't at least seen enough to be able to say you know what i have some questions about this and i'm certainly not an expert in everything but it gave me a great broad skill set that has translated well into my career now so as after that 18 months I was over in sports deals, I did start picking back up because I had worked on some really complex deals with super smart and um, people that were willing to train me, including like a cross-border uh, public-private m- merger and acquisition that lasted like 18 months with antitrust issues in there. When the sports deals came up, they actually felt a little bit easier, mm-hmm. and I had the benefit of having built up a reputation of being someone who is reliable and responsive and able to get the deals done. One of the deals that I worked on was the acquisition of the Jaguars. Um, and about a year oh. after the deal closed, they asked if I would be interested in coming down to Jacksonville as the lawyer for the team. Um, if you'd bet me when I first started working at a law firm, not only whether or not I would end up at a team, but that I would end up at a team in Jacksonville, which I didn't really know geographically where it was until I moved here. Um, <laughs> I would have absolutely taken the bet in the other direction. I never thought that I would leave the Northeast. My family's there. I grew up there. Um, and I ended up coming down here thinking it was going to be a great opportunity to learn a little bit more about the business side. And that was now seven and a half years ago, and I'm still here.
0: That's fantastic. That's, that's fantastic. And so what was your first position? Did you start as the chief legal officer?
1: So... This has happened to me since I first came down here. Someone once said to me that the reward for good work is really more often than not just more work. Yes,
0: um, when I came down, I will
1: admit that I probably didn't ask all of the right questions that I should have asked either. Um, but I came down, I thought it was going to be the general counsel of the football team. I My very first week here, it makes perfect sense. And this is how many teams are structured. I also have HR, which reports up through me and technology, which reports up. Through me, um, and then work with our facilities team on capital and stadium improvements a lot as well, um, and real estate development. So it went from being lawyer to being a broader job than that. And this, in part, explains why I'm still down here and still really enthusiastic about the opportunity and grateful for working for the Con family because of the different things that they have their hands in um, about. Two years ago, we opened up a 6,000 seat amphitheater that's attached to the stadium. And so now we're in the music business as well. And a year ago, um, the family launched a pro wrestling company, which has its first show this coming Wednesday on TNT at 8 p.m.
0: Oh, amazing. So this will actually, uh, this will air. So it will the show will have been the day before, uh, but will people be able to watch it on um, on demand or on repeat?
1: Yeah, so it'll be on BR Live about sixty days after initial airing, but it's also a weekly show, so they can catch it the next day if they would like.
0: Oh, fantastic. You guys you guys are in for a treat. That's awesome. What has that been like? Um,
1: it's been fascinating in a couple of different ways. So when I first came down here, I had done a lot of transactional work, so I was familiar with and expected there to be sponsorships. Um, and one of the first things that I also worked on when I came down here was the acquisition of Fulham Football Club for ownership on the transactional side. What I didn't really think about was is that I was also now going to become a lawyer that had to know at least enough to be able to issue spot with respect to workers' comp. HIPAA and all the other sort of medical piece of the business that we have here. Um, it's always interesting anytime you have to deal with anything relating to our mascot jumping off our stadium light tower. So there's risk and pyro agreements and flyover agreements and things like that. But as the Jaguars, you're always ultimately working within the confines of the very strong governance that the NFL has set up. And so there's some limitations on where we can market and we have to follow league rules. And they're all put in place for a really good reason, which is to strengthen all 32 teams, but you are following someone else's developed rules with pro wrestling. All of a sudden we're in the position where we are the league. Um, and the mission that the family set forth is not just to create really sh- uh, like a really strong entertainment product, but it's one that takes care of the talent and we are, one of the most interesting things to me about that business is that when you look at sort of the scope of the talent that's performing, it's one of the most diverse employee populations that we have. Um, And so that part's been fascinating, just sitting in the shoes of the league and being responsible for setting up what the league rules will be um, and looking to the other pro leagues, obviously, for guidance. And then, you know, we have the opportunity to negotiate a TV deal on our own, whereas at the NFL, your regular season games are part of a larger package, which, again, all makes sense. But here, sort of working for a startup pro sports league, and that's been really a lot of fun.
0: I bet it has. I bet that's been really interesting. So you you've touched on this somewhat, um, and I think, but I, I would love to. If you had to write a job description for chief legal officer for an NFL team, what would that description say, and how much would it change on day one? So from where I sit now, what I would say is that that
1: job description is that you are doing what you can. To protect the company without limiting it from being creative and fun and doing all of the things that you know will ultimately be good for um, your customers and entertain them and the people here. So I think that that doesn't describe any specific set of tasks, but I will say to you that on any given day, I never know what will come up. And that's what keeps the job interesting and has me continuing to learn every day, which is one of the two main things that I look for in, in any job is that they're there a constant opportunity, not for growth in terms of title or pay, but in scope of work. Um, so over my time here, I've done everything from try and help scramble to get lockers into the visiting locker room before our first preseason game in a particular year, because we, I was helping with the construction, <laughs> overseeing the construction project, and we were just that short on hands at that moment, um, to. Employee investigations, which are always sensitive and interesting and challenging and raise a lot of hard questions. We went through the same evolution that every company was struggling with around the time of Me Too and continue to actually monitor and train and talk about those issues so that just because the moment has sort of maybe come and gone, we're not, we're still having the hard conversations that everyone was forced to have at that time. Um, And so it's just, it can cover a panoply of different things. Spent a lot of time with the um, over in City Hall with the city, who's been a fantastic partner to the football team. And they, together with the city, we've spent $170 million in installing two of the world's largest video boards in an outdoor stadium here. So they're longer than the football field is. Oh, Actually, they're wider okay. than the football field is long. We have two swimming pools here. We now have the amphitheater here. I'm taking this interview from one of our club spaces, which was just redone. And there's a the only thing that's really been constant here is that is change. So we I've to learn to sort of adapt to that fact. But um, we have a great partnership with the city and continue to think about ways to not only keep our fans here and coming out happy, but trying to sort of think about what are they going to want for the future and how can we make this
0: continue to be the best experience in the NFL for those fans. So you you said that every day is different, and I would imagine every day is very different, but I would love to get a general idea. And I think our listeners would as well to know what is a day in the life of Mega Pari during the week? And then what is it like on game day?
1: So one of the things that working in entertainment, and it's changed a lot for me, I would say from when I first started working, and it's been a lot better for me since I adopted this attitude, which is when I was in New York at the law firm, I sort of because of the demands of being in professional services and what the expectations of clients are, I ended up getting to a place where I just stopped saying yes to doing things or stopped saying yes to social things um, because I knew that you're just when a deal is going, you might be working a lot. And, you know, so I would not go on trips that my friends were going on sometimes or. Um, I think I was just holding myself back. And a lot of it was purely self-inflicted. It's like, well, I expect that someone may want me here at my desk at 9 p.m. So I'm going to sit here at my desk at 9 p.m. And that's evolved since coming to Jacksonville in part because it's it's different in that not everybody here is in professional services, right? I work with salespeople now and I work with equipment guys now and I work with athletic trainers now and football coaches. Um, But the approach that I've tried to take is that I could... There's enough work to do. I could work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I don't want to. And in fact, I work in a really great environment where no one expects people to. I think if all that you're doing is working, you're actually doing yourself and the company a disservice because it doesn't give you the opportunity to learn. And not just from professional development, but a lot of the times I learn things from, hey, I'm reading this interesting novel or this interesting book. And all of a sudden that triggers something in my brain where it's more fresh and I'm able to Contribute to work in a way that I wouldn't have had I not taken that time to decompress. So, on any given day, I try to be responsive to my email to the extent that I'll check it to make sure there's nothing urgent going on or call, right? I'll, I'll sort of expect and check. Like, I don't necessarily completely disconnect other than if I'm swimming in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, that means that on Tuesday afternoons, when I'm able to. I may go for a walk for an hour just to stimulate my brain and take a break. So a good example of that is I ended up going on sort of a surprise work trip, but I wasn't necessarily expecting to have had advance notice about um, yesterday. Went to New York, worked long days in the sense of we had meetings in the afternoon. There was a lot of drafting to be done afterwards. But I also then took an hour in the middle of the day to go have lunch with my dad. I took a couple hours in the evening to go see my old roommate. And I've just tried to build in, instead of trying to say, hey, this is dedicated work time and this is dedicated fun time, I'm going to weave those two things together. So a few different things that I do just, I was so horrified when I first started, we started a fitness challenge here a couple of years ago and I got my first pedometer. I was horrified at how little I was moving on any given day. And I would say I was getting probably two, three miles in at most, which, you know, probably reasonable for somebody with a desk job. On Monday, I was talking with our management team and we were talking about just sort of ways to stay healthy in general, because that's important to all of us in a baseline, I think, to be able to give the best of yourself to others. And I had walked 12 miles and that's with the same desk job and it's just as demanding. And so I just tried to, I know this is a long-winded way of answering your question, but I've tried to ignore what people expect in terms of what a normal quote, like quote unquote normal lawyer would do. And now if I have a conference call, I'll go walk around the stadium during that conference call. It took a while for people to sort of get used to that. um, And think that I was actually like, or acknowledge that, Hey, the work's still getting done, even though this person's doing it in a weird way. I stand at a standing desk. I used to sit outside and work a lot because we don't have windows in the office and not getting natural sunlight in the day was interfering with how well I slept at night. Um, and sort of waking up in the middle of the night, and, like sleep talking through negotiations with myself. And so I just try to build it in so that whether it's game day or any day of the week, I'm getting the work done that needs to get done. That's important. I'm making sure that I balance between being perfect and not letting that get in the way of being good enough on those things where you can be good enough. And what's more important is being responsive than being super precise. Um, and then having fun, whether it's building fun into just even the everyday meetings that we have. Um, on Monday mornings, we get together with our sales team. And one of the things that we do, just because I think that people who laugh together and trust each other work together better, they have more empathy for each other. They're less short when they need work product from one another. Just go around the room and try and like say one thing that everyone liked from the weekend. Starts off the day with everyone in like a really positive mindset. Now, is that a specific work task? No. Is that something that? when you're busy, you sort of want to let fall by the wayside. Yeah. But I had someone say to me last week that that 20 minutes is the best part of their work week and they really enjoy it. And so just trying to build it, I don't think they need to be so segmented, especially if you are the sort of person that, you know, if someone wants something, they're going to call me and they don't care if it's 10 PM. I know that that's going to happen. So I better take those moments at 2 PM when I might be able to decompress to actually do that.
0: I'm really glad you said that because I think we live in a day and age where we are so connected to our phones we are so responsive and we're expected to respond 24/7 and that's just kind of the way it is it, you know it's not bad it's not good it just kind of is the world that we live in now but you make an excellent point that so when you have those downtimes when you have those moments you have to enjoy them and that's i think a hard thing to do um, i'd worked for the mayor of DC for a number of years and then after we lost re-election i stayed on and ran his nonprofit and private sector endeavors. And he was really great about saying, you know, I would say to him, listen, I'm going to go work out at one. So I'll be off from one to two. And he would say, don't worry about it. Take your time. I know you're going to get your work done. Just go get your exercise in. And and I think that that is really important. And you brought up another really great point that you will be better at your job. If you have that downtime. Otherwise you burn out like, and it's so basic, but the things that I, and I will
1: say, like, I will admit that it was more the environment at a law firm or any other intense place can sort of set you up for this too. But look, it, a lot of it was self-inflicted. So like I was not sleeping well, that then led to me not being as sharp or thoughtful the next day. I wasn't doing anybody a service, not me, not, not the people with whom I worked. And it, it wasn't good for anyone. And it was sort of this expectation that I was putting on myself. So I want to be just, Hesitant to say, like, yeah, we're expected to be connected all the time. And I try to be available when I know something important's going on. Of but I'm also not opposed to, and I did this the other night. I was supposed to go out to dinner. The hurricane was coming in. We were still sort of thinking through what our plan was going to be for the office that week. So I brought my laptop to dinner. And you, whether I'm sure that it rubs certain people the wrong way, but at the end of the day, I'd rather be sitting at dinner. I'd rather be able to get the email out at eight o'clock and not have missed dinner. And yeah, some people can say that I was kind of a jerk for getting up and stepping away or getting on my laptop in the middle of dinner to then send out an email letting folks know what was happening with the office. But for me, it's so much better than missing those times with friends. And it's nice to say, and it's really nice to be sort of fully mindfully present all the time. But look, sometimes if there's a hurricane coming in, you can't do that. The flip side of that is I've also just tried to be, on the one hand, when I want to be responsive. I'm also really thoughtful about things like batching my email. So like, I don't look at my email all day. And you know what? I used to. And what happened is no one actually like feels as though they're not getting responded to quickly enough. Me looking at my email all day was self-imposed. Um, I also put, you know, it wasn't that long ago, and I only got a smartphone in like 2011. I was sort of a late adopter. It wasn't that long ago that people didn't have cell phones with them all the time. So like now if I do go on a twenty minute walk or if I if there's nothing that I'm expecting that'll really come up, I just put my phone down and this is honestly within the last year. I've missed one call, one time where I sort of felt a little bit bad because I know that the other person who is calling has a really tight schedule. Other than that, people are really quite understanding. Like your point about working out's the same. So this was hard for me this very morning, but we have a concert here tonight. I know I'm going to be here till about 10 PM. And so this morning I, against what I know like 25 year old me would have done. I slept in a little bit later because I got back from New York last night and went to bed at like 1 AM. So that's a little bit later, worked out for an hour. And now that I know that I'm going to be here the rest of the day, you know, it's, it's a little bit easier. Cause that's, that's taken care of and out of the way. Um, But I would have been my own worst enemy at setting my schedule up that way, thinking, oh, what are people going to say about me if they see me coming in at 10 a.m.? More often than not, everyone is way more worried about themselves, and there's far fewer Like negative comments coming your way than you think, or the perception is something that you can work around by just explaining to people actually what you were doing and being transparent about it, and then being responsive to them when they really do need something. So I don't ever let it get in the way of getting work product done, but I've tried to be really flexible about my approach to work and also encourage others to do so because some people are morning people, other people aren't. Like If you're going to be better at 10 a.m. than you are at 7 a.m. or vice versa, do that. And then like when you actually have to be there for something, be there. But otherwise, day to day, go work from the moon if that's where you're going to be most productive and happy.
0: I could not agree more. I think that's excellent, excellent advice. And you said something that I think is worth reiterating as good work advice and life advice. For the most part, everyone is more concerned about themselves. And that's not in a selfish way, but it's right. concerned about, <laughs> you know, getting what they need to get done than when Meg or Tracy gets in the office.
1: For sure. And frankly, look, people don't know if you're at the dentist or the gym or like doing whatever else it is that you're doing. So much of that, I think, is we are in our own heads about what other people think. And if you just take the time to sort of explain more transparently what it is that you were doing and what, like, to the extent that it matters, right? Or you hear a counter narrative that's not great. So I'll use a more specific example on this. But so I was talking about sitting outside for work, which I did used to do for a couple of reasons. One, I think everybody sort of knows that. On the one hand, open open offices are great because you have a lot more collaboration and communication. You can see what's going on. Um, On the other hand, they're a really bad place to do work that requires deep thinking. And a lot of it as a lawyer, or even just I would say with respect to HR, requires deep thinking. I, I cannot get my job done at my desk in my office. So I started sitting outside and I heard someone or someone said to me that they heard someone else say about me that the only reason that I sat outside was to get attention from the players as they were walking back and forth to practice. And I put my sunglasses down and I just, I cried. I, like, I, I don't know what else to do. Like that's sort of the worst thing that you can hear as a lawyer, as HR for a football team. Like how does anybody think, and I'm already sensitive about sort of what people might perceive because of my gender, or my age or whatever. Um, and it just, I cried. And then I sort of, <laughs> I, I do that for about 10 seconds when I get over it. But I calmed down for a minute and now we're two years later, we have outdoor workstations and many, many people work outside and many people do what I do, just take calls or meetings while walking around the stadium just to get a little bit of exercise in, get your brain um, firing in a way that's different than when you're just sitting at your desk. And it's like, you know what, in that moment that I'll be honest sucked and it was awful to hear, but I'm so glad that I didn't change my behavior based on what someone else was saying at me. That was absolutely ridiculous and not true.
0: That is actually just horrifying that someone would say that. I just can't. I, it's sadly I can believe it, but then I also can't believe it. Uh, but it brings me a little bit to a question I had, which is, you know, what is the number one challenge you have faced in the sports industry? And I would, you know, love to know is is that the number one challenge? Is there something else? There's a, an amalgam of a couple things.
1: Um. I would say that professionally, our greatest challenge is our greatest opportunity, which is that we are doing so many things in terms of the different business lines that I described. We're a really innovative company. And sometimes it's just, you know, you you sort of grow wistful for like maybe a simpler business model would be better. And yeah, it might be in terms of just sort of it's not going to be as challenging, but it's an incredible professional opportunity. I was on a call this morning and someone was sort of just asking how I was feeling with what's going on. And and this is all public. But so I was like, you know what, today's going to be crazy. We have to get a development agreement over to the city regarding this real estate that we're doing outside the stadium. And I have to get our deal done for wrestling. I was like, but what a great, like exciting thing for a lawyer to have to, be working on in any given day. Like those are two really fascinating, huge projects. I'm so excited about them. And yeah, today might be a little bit stressful or I might work a little bit later, but it's so worth it over the grand scheme, as long as you still have time overall for yourself and your friends and your family and to take care of things. It's, It's our greatest professional challenge here at the organization specifically. I would say for me personally, it's making sure that I get out of my own head in thinking that self-care is selfish. So I was trying to think about, I was like, I, I know myself well enough to know that I'm going to have to work over the weekend. And if I have to work over the weekend, and I don't take some time to do something fun tonight. I'm going to start to get too tightly wound. And I was thinking this morning about, okay, what is it that that'll be? And how do I make sure that I do that and build in that time and prioritize it Because if I don't, I know that I'm actually going to be worse on the other side of it. So building in an hour, whenever I get home tonight, just to sit on my back patio under these new market lights that I strung up last Sunday and playing guitar for an hour, like I need to do that. And I need to do that and not feel guilty about it. Um, and that's, that's hard. And that's just a hard personal thing that I'm constantly trying to evolve on a good, another good example that's working out where that always used to fall to the bottom of the list. Or if I went, was traveling, I would just cut it out. And I've, Developed sort of this approach to it where I can work out almost anywhere, including like the tiniest hotel rooms in Europe for about 30 minutes and get a pretty solid intense workout in. And you know, kids are great because they really force you to be direct and to have probably some of the toughest negotiations. So my niece is five, and the last time I went home, she was like, "Mega, you're here. You're not here for that long. I really want to play Nintendo." And I was like, Sarah, I'll make a deal with you. I was like, for 20 minutes, we're going to do adult workout, which is what we call it, because we also do kids yoga. I was like, and then I'll play Nintendo with you. And that's hard. And it took a little while. But now, every time I go home, she just acknowledges that that's going to be part of the time that we're spending. Some part of it's going to be working out together. Um, and obviously, she's adorable and, like, doing it next to me as best she can. But it I was cutting myself off from not doing that. And I'm so much, I'm a better aunt and able to lift her up and throw her around more
0: the way that she wants to because I'm not cutting out, working out and I'm able to have the energy to keep up with her. It's really cute. My niece and I do that as well. We always go to Palm desert over the holidays and my niece will do workout videos with me. And it's, it is the cutest thing. It's so fun. Just, it's such fun time together. And yeah, it's and then I still get my workout in and she does, you know, as best she can. And sometimes she walks away and comes back. But I I love that you do that because that's for sure we do. Um, But you said something about playing guitar. How long have you been playing guitar? So I've been playing since I was
1: 12 and I did see my older mate in New York just a few days ago and I've known him for 15 years now and I lived with him for a year and a half and I didn't have my guitar in that apartment because it's also when I was working at the law firm in New York. And he's like, man. He's like, you know, I need you through college. I need you through law school. He's like, I need you through when we lived together till so you moved to Jacksonville. He's like, I've seen you play like twice. And I was like, I-, I know. I was like, and that was my own fault. So I have been playing since I was twelve, off and on, but always let other things get in the way. And then a couple of years ago, um, a friend gave me a really nice guitar as a gift. I was like, just start playing more. And that guitar sounded so pretty and so nice compared to the one that I had when I was a kid that I just started playing more regularly. And so. I was always shy about playing in front of other people and it took some, some getting used to and a lot of practicing. Um, I ended up actually playing a three hour set at a beach bar, um, in March of last year, uh, for the first time ever, with was no, no experience and no real like plan for doing it again. Cause it was terrifying. Um, but now I can say, hey, one time I was good enough to go play somewhere out in public and some really nice like 25 year old offered me five dollars. It's like, no, please keep your money. It's okay. <laughs> but but it was it was great. It was just it was a good experience. Like, I don't ever want to stop learning. I don't ever want to stop growing. Like I want someone to say on the one hand, like, yeah, like you're always sort of true to yourself. But on the other hand, like I want to be constantly evolving. I want to be better than I was a year ago. I want to be better than I was 10 years ago. I don't think that like I think people approach aging sometimes the wrong way or it's like I feel better and happier at 34 than I did at 33 and I want that to continue every year
0: forever well and you I always say um I don't understand people getting upset about their birthdays the alternative isn't good so we should yeah race aging and getting older and learning and and all of those things um so I I agree with you on that. And I'm also really glad you said that because I think that's another thing for young women, especially that there is such an emphasis placed on youth and being young and that there's nothing wrong with getting older. In fact, it is, that's the way to go. It's what you want. Yeah. (laughs) Really well said. I'm going to steal that. Yeah, please, please feel free to steal that uh, whenever you want. Um, I have one more thing I want to ask you about before we get to five fun facts. And that is that you were a Forbes 30 under 30. Can you talk about that a little? Because that's just amazing.
1: Sure. That was actually, and this is um, a real statement about what it's like when you have other people sponsoring you and it inspires you to want to sponsor others. But I, um, when I was at the law firm, I helped a company called Women in Sports and Events, which is a not-for-profit dedicated to elevating women and sort of recognizing them on the business side of um, sports. And one of the board members there, I would helped them file for their not-for-profit status and um was doing a lot of administrative work for them on the legal side and she actually was the one who knew someone at Forbes and nominated me and I would I never would have expected in a million years to be on any list with Mike Trout and LeBron James and I'm pretty sure like, they're not running around and telling their friends that they're on a list of me you assume so that you, I, assume I, that. you I, don't know that you don't know that I didn't what it's worth but um I mean, that was really, and look, all of those things in terms of public recognition, I, I am sort of naturally shy, which I think surprises people at times. Um, and I'm, I'm sort of an introvert. So for me, I have to remind myself why I do those things. And it's not, um, it's not for me because I don't really, like, I don't really like the spotlight. It makes my parents really proud and happy, which that makes me unbelievably happy because they're the best parents in the world have been unbelievably kind to me throughout my life and supportive and smart. Um, and I hope that it actually shows other people outside that might not look like what you would expect sports executives to look like, That yeah, hey, she's there. I can be there too. That's
0: fantastic. That's awesome. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. Time-consuming, expensive, so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com, It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get your orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Now any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. You'll always know that you're getting the best deal. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. And right now, Blue Wire podcast listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the offer code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in blue. That's ShipStation.com, then enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. Indochino was found on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. The best part is that they are affordable. Almost all of their custom clothing is under $400. The process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering BlueWire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. An incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. All right, we have come to the point in the podcast, which is always my favorite because anyone that follows me knows that I love fun facts. Uh, So we are going to do our five fun facts. Uh, So I'm going to just go through them. And we'll start with what is your favorite moment in sports?
1: So my favorite moment in sports, aside from obviously every Jaguars win that we've had Mm -hmm. and going to the AFC championship was um, in 2001 during the World Series. They put the flag from the Trade Center out in center field um, at Yankee Stadium. And I grew up a Yankee fan. And that series, games three, four, and five, were absolutely wild. Um, and my neighbor, growing up, was still one of my best friends to this day. Would sit on the on our non-cell phones, on our landlines, um, and we'd stay up watching the games. And during that series, in the bottom of the ninth, two nights in a row, the Yankees tied up the games, take it into extras, and then win it. And I just, I will never forget. The level of excitement as baseball was being played in November for the first time. And I was so excited. I got up to go run and tell somebody, like if anybody was still awake in the house, which probably would have been my dad, that I ran into the wall <laughs> and like fell to the ground and to get back up again. But I, that moment was just, it was so special. And that series was so special for the city and the people at that time because we were all still trying to wrap our heads around what the heck just had happened.
0: Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I would forgotten about that. Thank you for reminding me. That was that was an incredible series, and that that was incredible. Well, I had forgotten that. Uh, what is your life motto? Work hard, play hard, which I know is a total cliche,
1: but I I like it. I like doing everything that you do to its fullest
0: and giving it your all. I love it. I think that's great. Uh, do you have a go-to workout other than your hotel workout? Yeah. So I. Did lifting weights last May,
1: and for years a friend of mine, like probably since I turned thirty, he was like, "You got to start lifting. You have to start lifting." And I'd never grown up with any sort of workout culture. My parents don't. Um, they immigrated here. Like there wasn't like gym culture that they grew up in. College was the first time I started going to the gym, and I just do cardio. Like I do the elliptical for sixty minutes. I finally, like I hit a plateau. I finally started lifting weights. I'm not saying this in any arrogant way. I'm saying this as a person who's also at the same time they picked up a guitar, sort of developed an eating disorder around 12. I'm in the best shape of my life. And I want every person who works out to just start lifting weights. Cause I, this morning I upped it. And if you would ask me, I started with five pound dumbbells. If you'd asked me if I'd be curling with 20 pounds in the morning before work ever, I would have said no way. Good
0: for you. That's awesome. That's fantastic. What is your go-to coffee or tea order? I have found that not everyone on the podcast drinks coffee. Uh,
1: Starbucks chai tea. I love that. It reminds me of a tea that my my parents are from India. My dad used to make tea in the afternoons on Sunday with milk and spices. And that's the closest thing that I can find to it without
0: going home and getting it from him. That sounds delicious. And last but not least, what is a book every woman should read? I don't know about every woman, but I think every person should read
1: East of Eden by John Steinbeck. So To me, the best literature sort of forces or causes you to reflect back on your own experience and see it in a different way. And that book covers every type of character and story um, that you can possibly imagine. So it follows a a family over the course of several years. And I actually, two years ago, ended up getting a a tattoo with a quote from it, um, which is my first and only tattoo, um, just because I've reread it now three times. And over the course of time, it's the first all-nighter, this is how much of a nerd I was, first all-nighter I ever pulled was reading that book because it was so good in college. Um, And then I've read it again twice since then. And as you get older and experience more in life too, as I reread it, it just brings back so many different perspectives and experiences. And the overall theme of the book is that you have a choice. You have a choice in what you do. You have a choice at whether or not to be a good person or a bad person. And that is one of the things that makes the human condition so interesting. What is the quote? What is the tattoo quote? Uh, celebrate the human soul. I love that. That's fantastic.
0: Mega. thank you so much for joining me today. This was really fantastic. Um, and it just was a real pleasure to have you on.
1: Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate I really appreciate that you're taking the time to put this content together. Um, and I hope that your audience appreciates all that you do. You're awesome. Oh,
0: thank you very much. Well, you have a wonderful day and good luck with the concert. Thank you.